This podcast episode should not be used as a substitute for medical or mental health advice. Individuals are advised to seek independent medical advice, counseling, and or therapy from a healthcare professional with respect to any medical condition, mental health issue, or health inquiry, including matters discussed on this podcast episode. Welcome back to the Narcissistic Abuse Support Platform podcast brought to you by Unfiltered. This is episode 4. In today's episode, Janet, a licensed clinical social worker and trauma therapist, will answer these five questions from our community. 1. The narcissist in my life always gets away with his abuse. How can I manage the injustice of narcissistic relationships? 2. I'm not sure if it's rumination, fear, anxiety or what, but all I can talk about is the narcissist. I haven't seen her in a year, but I can't stop talking about her. Even my family has pointed out this problem. How can I fix it? 3. The narcissist in my life always tricks me into doing something and then shames me for it. How can I avoid this dynamic? 4. I have started dating again. I'm wondering how I can tell the difference between love bombing and a healthy and passionate connection. 5. The narcissist in my life always starts arguments before we go to sleep. How can I stop him from depriving me of sleep? Hi Janet, thank you for joining me today. I'm so excited to have you in this podcast episode today. Hi, it's great to be here. Okay, so let's get started. Today we have five questions from our from our from our community members. Um, the first one is: the narcissist in my life always always gets away with his abuse. How can I manage the injustice of narcissistic relationships? Well, I think the first question would be to really identify what it brings up for you in terms of the injustice. So. Um, you know, do you feel like the, the laws where you are, are not fair, or does this bring up, um, injustices from your childhood or from, you know, your history in your life? I think the first thing we'd want to do is to, um, identify, of course, what it brings up for you. That's again, from a therapist perspective. And then what I definitely encourage quite frequently is to, from there, then focus on what is within our control, because it's true. There are quite a bit of, unfortunately, injustices um, when we're dealing with this. And oftentimes when we stay stuck in that, it actually keeps us in a very low, oftentimes depressed place. So I'll often encourage, particularly the clients that I work with, I'll say, you know, let's focus on what is within your control. Can you name what's within your control right now? Um, Can we focus on areas where maybe there can be radical acceptance. It doesn't mean we have to agree with what's going on, but perhaps we can radically accept that this is the situation that you're in and how can we deal with it right now? How do you advise your clients to approach radical acceptance? Because I I have heard that it's such a hard concept to actually do in practice Mm -hmm. so what is your like tip like how to manage it and how to approach the radical acceptance well the first thing is we have to define what radical acceptance is when when i talk about it i again always have this 
precursor to it that says, you know, when I encourage, let's look at acceptance right now, I'm not saying you have to agree with what's going on. I'm not saying we have to um, accept even the abuse because that's not something that any one of us should radically accept. But what I'm saying is now that a lot, oftentimes the people that I work with are in the aftermath of it, like they're in a court battle or they're working on figuring out custody situations with their kids. Um, there's a lot of legal fees often. It's a very, of course, unfair um, and very difficult situation to be in. Um, when I talk about radical acceptance, it's it's more like, can there be acceptance that this is your situation right now? It is very hard. It is unfair. It is unjust. Um, however, it's also hopefully very temporary and only for a temporary period of time. Can there be acceptance that this is where you're at? Can there be acceptance that this is what you're working through right now? Because again, what often keeps us depressed and stuck is the questions of, well, what if I made this decision instead? Or um, this is so unfair. Like, why is this happening to me? That keeps us in a stuck place. Whereas if we move, try and move into radical acceptance, we can kind of see the situation us flowing a little bit more so in the situation. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, let's go to the second question. I'm not sure if it's rumination, fear, anxiety or what, but all I can talk about is the narcissist. I haven't seen her in a year, but I can't stop talking about her. Even my family has pointed out this problem. How can I fix this? Well, we'd want to understand um, the underlying issue, why there is that rumination happening. Do you feel like there wasn't closure from that situation? Do you feel like, you know, they're still, you know, stalking you, gaslighting you? A lot of these um, experiences that we have, you know, with the narcissist. Um, do you feel like you've experienced some PTSD from the situation and your mind just keeps going in those circles because of that? I think we'd want to understand first the purpose, right, that the rumination is serving. And then from there, <clears throat> that's how we can deal with it. If it's the feeling of, I haven't had closure from the experience, okay, then we can explore what will help you feel closure from that situation. And it doesn't have to involve, you know, the narcissist or the other person. We can cultivate our own internal closure, or if it's related to PTSD, let's work on those symptoms. Let's work on the hypervigilance. Let's work on um, the ruminating thoughts. Um, so I think the first question is we'd want to understand what's underlying there. Okay. Um, can you give an example um, of this internal internal closure, like maybe like a real life experience, uh, example, what could be that? Yeah. So let's say there's been a separation or a breakup with the narcissist, but, um, I, I think sometimes if there are no kids involved, which that's a very lucky situation, um, then oftentimes when I work with my clients, they'll remember past situations and they'll say, oh my gosh, now I have so much clarity about that situation. This is what happened. This is what they were trying to do to me. 
I can't believe, you know, I didn't see it at the time. You know, there's always that internal conversation that happens. We do see things clearly, a lot more clearly when we have some distance from it. So oftentimes when we can engage in internal closure, um, some of it might actually relate to the radical acceptance, um, but it can oftentimes relate to having compassion for ourselves. So if we wanted closure from the situation, oftentimes we have to move into compassion of, well, yeah, at the time I didn't see that. At the time I was so in it that, you know, it was hard for me to see the situation clearly. Um, or there could be closure in the sense of I'm going to write a letter. I'm going to write everything out. doesn't necessarily mean you have to give it to the person. You can write it for you or you can write it and rip it up or burn it. Um, there are a lot of different activities, in both internal and external processes that you can do um, to help with an aspect of closure. But again, we have to get in touch with which part of us feels that wounded feeling, which part of us doesn't feel that closure. And then we, we need to ask, like, what would help this part of us gain some of that closure. I know for me personally, when I've gone through certain situations, when I feel like I understand the truth and I know what my truth is, that's enough for me to feel that internal closure. But I've had work with clients where they've written things out, they've written letters, um, you know, or they've done a meditation where they've tried to kind of release that person from their space from their internal space and that's help so it's it's very individual and it just depends okay yeah thank you so much for that let's go to the third question the narcissist in my life always tricks me into doing something and then shames me for it how can i avoid this dynamic yeah so previously when i talked about trying to create some distance um i would say See if you can take a step back from the situation or from the narcissist in your life um, and see if you can review a lot of what the patterns are. Because again, when we're in it, we're kind of in that hamster wheel, unfortunately. So sometimes we do need to take a step back and look at what's happening. We'll want to look at what are the narcissist tactics? Um, how are they luring you in potentially into their trap um, when we can see that a little bit more clearly we can actually you know work on setting some important boundaries and hopefully not falling into their trap so i would recommend first creating some distance really to see a little bit more clearly if you can what the situation is if that's too hard if it's hard to create some distance on your own then i would say if you have a trusted maybe friend or even better would be a therapist or a psychologist that you're working with, um, they can help you kind of see what the patterns are a little bit better or to have some distance and, and see the situation a little bit more clearly. And that can help you in terms of understanding, okay, this is their tactic. This is how I can work on hopefully stepping away from their tactic. Okay. So let's say someone is still living with the narcissist. So could one example of creating more space be that sometimes you arrange like, a, okay, this Friday night, I'm going to go to my friend's house to do something or 
what would be a practical example of creating that space if you are if you are still living with the narcissist yeah so creating almost like like you just said physical distance like you leaving the home going to a friend's house going to your therapist's office that can be a great way to create some distance for sure to kind of see what's going on um, with the situation um, another way to do so if it's possible if you're still living with the narcissist is if you have like your like a room maybe in your apartment or in your home that's kind of just for you um, and it's your sacred or your safe space that can be a place where you go where you close the door lock your door and you have your own process to just sit with and think about what's going on that can be another way to create a little bit of that distance um there's also the idea of creating a little bit of that emotional distance so sometimes even imagining like a wall or imagining like a protective barrier for your emotions that can be a very helpful way to hopefully not fall into their trap because again a narcissist will know when they've kind of grabbed you into their trap so sometimes having even these like imaginary or um kind of barriers that your mind creates could be very helpful okay thank you so much for that let's go for the to the next question so the number four i have started dating again i'm wondering how i can tell the difference between love bombing and a healthy and passionate connection yes such a good question and such a common struggle i would say um okay so here's a common red flag common red flag is when let's say you're dating someone it's the first couple of dates um it's still very new and they tell you you know i love you right away or they say like i want to live with you or um you're someone that i could imagine myself being married to um that's love bombing because it's a it's a few dates they don't even know you Yeah, and they're already saying all of these things. So if the if the communication and the sentiments start to feel like they're coming on too strong or it's so fast, um, that's something that's very important to pay attention to. And I would say that that's likely not a healthy necessarily person um, to be dating because on average or what's a little bit more standard is maybe taking like a few months five to six months to say you know i think we could talk about you know how we see our future in the relationship or let's talk about um do you ever see yourself living in with a partner like it's it's more like having those thoughtful conversations that are very healthy versus saying like you should move in with me this is going to be great you're the love of my life that's that's too fast and that's coming on way too strong and that's way too soon so that's the initial red flag um and i think the biggest thing that i would encourage is to follow your your gut feeling if your gut feeling is like you know this feels too fast or i'm not so sure about moving in with someone right away it's very important to listen to that um a relationship can be passionate but a relationship also needs to remain sensible um so both can coexist at the same time um the love bombing absolutely feels good it's like 
the 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 dopamine rush in our brain happens and it's amazing um but again i would encourage like look at the timeline if the timeline is like after a month of dating the person is just like yeah i'm 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 ready to move in with you or you know let's get married you're the love of my life that's a red flag that i would encourage to really take a step back create some healthy distance and see if you can see the situation from a clearer standpoint. Okay, yeah, thank you. Um, then the last question. The narcissist in my life always starts arguments before we go to sleep. How can I stop him from depriving me of sleep? Mm, yeah, wow. I'm so sorry, that's such an awful, abusive tactic. So the answer that I gave earlier about not falling into their trap, um, this is going to be very important in this situation. So you'll want to actually be very stoic with the narcissist. Um, so if they're saying things that are hurtful, harmful, condescending, abusive, I know that the reaction a very normal reaction is to be defensive, try and fight back, try to convince the narcissist otherwise, you know, no, I'm not a bad person. No, you're wrong when, when you're saying this. It's a very common desire to do so. But at the end of the day, the narcissist then knows like, okay, I've got them. I've got them in my hamster wheel. So you'll want to be very stoic, like, okay, th this is what you believe. That's fine. Um, I hear that this is what you're saying. No problem. You'll want to just remain very stoic and very neutral so that they know they haven't emotionally kind of caught you, essentially. That's the, the best way that I would encourage to deal with it in that moment. Um, I mean, if it's feasible or if it's not, you know, going to escalate, then if you can sleep in a different room, that's certainly also possible, but I would encourage to have that very stoic, like non-emotional energy. Um, and then yes, you know, if you need to release some of those emotions, absolutely do so. You can do so on your own. You can do so with a friend. You can do so with your therapist, somebody that you trust so that you're not necessarily by yourself with the emotional aftermath. Okay. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, that was the last question. So great, great questions and great answers in today's podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And thank you, Janet, so much for joining me today. Thank you.